Welcome to the Innovating Purpose Podcast, where I'm striving to live intentionally and seeking clarity for new and young readers. Well, it's good to wait on the Lord in His presence and to... I enjoy the silence. Do you guys enjoy the silence? And I also enjoy the, the alarm clock, too, so gets you going in the morning. <laughs> what I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, pray before I uh, share the word uh, this morning and uh, continue to wait on the Lord. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and the presence that you fill us with. We thank you that we can worship you, and we can recognize that you are in charge, and you care for us, and you love us. It's good to raise our voices to you, because you are the only one who is worthy of our praise and our adoration. You are the one that ministers to our souls and you know the deepest longings of our heart. And I thank you even for the confession of my friend Clyde as we can hold a grudge and we can try to do things in our own strength. But we need to rely on the strength that comes from you, Lord that we would give our own emotions and our own physical limitedness to you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue to listen to the promises of Jesus and the passages of John 14 through 17, We're going to continue on in chapter 16, and it's a delight to be in these passages. And this morning, I won't read all of those verses, but what I will do is take time to pause in a couple of select ones. But before we get there, I wanted us to consider the many options that I'm going to refer to as doors today. And I think there's a lot of doors in our life, if you'll run with this illustration. There are a lot of things that appear to be worth our time and our energy. I'll read them in case you can't see them, but they are addiction or loss or grief or Jesus or security or possessions or avoidance. And there's many more. But in this world, when you're faced with difficulties, we're told that we should chase after these things. And you know, if you go through certain doors, some can hold quite a stranglehold over you. And the reality is that these can be quite um, overwhelming, deflating, defeating. But if you, we say a lot in church that We need to go through the door of Jesus. We need to follow him and that he is the only way. 
But sometimes in this world, we take a, a sneak peek in some of the other doors because we think they will satisfy us. And I began to read and, and see these passages somewhat for the first time on the reason that we say, in Jesus' name, amen. When we say that phrase, in Jesus' name, do we recognize the authority? Do we appreciate who Jesus really is? I know I've taken it for granted. It can become a rhythm or a part of my prayer that that's just how you end your prayer. But have you taken time recently to recognize that you are declaring, I believe these things, I earnestly cry out to you, O God, and I'm asking for you to hear me in your son's name, I plead with you. There's some authority there that I think if we're not careful, we can neglect and we can miss. So you've tried out these other things and, and you realize that they don't satisfy. And really, without ch chasing after Jesus and going after him, we start to recognize that you can feel pretty unfulfilled when you open these other doors. And depending how long you've chased some of these other doors, it can really have a foothold in your life. C.S. Lewis says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. We would do well to recognize you can't change the past. You can learn from the past, but you can't change it. We can, want every, we, we can want the history books to say certain things about which president was where and who did what and what happened, but really all that history does is record the facts. But I love that, that last part. You can start where you are and change the ending. So I want you to consider today that the throne room of God is an open door. You might be thinking, Keith, is it, is it really an open door? Well, Jesus talks about doors a couple of times. He stands at the door knocking, and that's the door of your heart. But I, as I've pictured this passage, and before we jump right in, I really began to consider that Jesus is asking us to believe that he's opened the door to the kingdom of God, wide open for us. All we have to do is walk through. So consider this as we read. John 16, verses, I'm going to start in 16, and then I'm going to jump around a little bit. You've got the references there, hopefully on your screen. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Verse 20. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be suddenly turned to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy. 
because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. And at that time, you won't need to ask for me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will, will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and, and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I leave the world and return to the Father. Now verse 33. I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I paused in verses 26 and 27 this, this week as I prepared. When I read verse 26, I recognized that it said, I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, into verse 27, for the Father himself loves you dearly. Recognize that this door to God has been opened wide. God loves you directly with the same love that he has for his own son. Jesus made a way for us to get to the Father. Jesus made a way so that we could have relationship with the Father. And this is direct access to God. And he's spoken of the Holy Spirit that would now reside within us, but he's also clarifying that we now, yes, through the Holy Spirit, but we now have this opportunity to go right into the throne room and have direct relationship with God. I have to keep repeating that to myself because this is almost unbearable for my mind to comprehend. Direct access. So why do we say in Jesus' name? Does this really stand out to you? You see, in this passage, we can, we can hear the, the grief that Jesus is speaking of. It's not a grief that he has so much as he recognizes that the disciples will feel a deep grief. They would be without their leader. They would be without their Lord. This one they assumed was the Messiah. Where was he? Where is he going? How could he be taken? How could this grief that you described to us, Jesus, how could it mean that it will get better? He describes this obvious picture of child labor and the pains that a woman experiences to birth a child and to bring this child into the world and as long or as difficult as it was, if both are healthy after delivery, there is exuberant joy. And the pains and the trials are quickly forgotten. To look into the face of the little one, to see that the mother has delivered a healthy baby. 
This is what Jesus describes. The pain of the disciples will feel when Jesus is to die. And this this joy, this inexpressible joy is Jesus' rising from the dead. I've never seen someone rise from the dead. So I can only begin to fathom what they would have experienced. I've heard of doctors bringing someone back to life after a few minutes, perhaps, of them ceasing to be breathing or their heart stopping. But three days, not even close. There's a lot of grief in those first few days. But Jesus says it will be turned to joy. We're also told that we will get to communicate with the Father. We will be in restored relationship. You see, in the Old Testament, we had to go before a priest, and we had to bring our sacrifice to the priest, and then the priest would act as the go-between for us and God. He would go into perhaps a step further into the temple courtyard, or depending on your societal ranking, he would lay it on the altar right there beside you. But he had to do the sacrifice. He had to do all of the steps. Jesus is saying this will be no more. We don't need the priest to stand before us. We don't need the priest. You don't need a pastor to stand before you and God. You don't need someone to do this for you. Jesus is saying it's open and it's available to you. This Holy Spirit that he has told us, he has prompted us about, is available to live within you. And that is beautiful. To think that we could speak to the Holy of Holies the God of the universe in plain human tongue is overwhelming. So perhaps as you see in Jesus' name, it will, or as you state this phrase, it will well up with, from a deep reservoir, a deep well within you, that you are not just saying Jesus' name, you are speaking the authority and the power and the relationship that you have with God, the God of this universe, and that your requests wouldn't be so minute and small in detail, but they would be specific and clear. As though you are in relationship with the Lord. And I hope that it's true for you that you are. God's love for mankind was expressed through his son opening this door for us. This illustration brought to my attention and reminded me of what it means to be born again. We say this often, and there's the passage in John 3 that speaks of Jesus illustrating this more clearly, and it goes on to say, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, what what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. 
Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So if you are to enter in through this door of life that Jesus has opened for us, has created a way for us, we start to see so clearly, so vividly, that Jesus has opened a way that doesn't make sense in human terms. The grief and the pain of child labor, new baby means joy. The grief and, the, and the, the pain of our old life, our, our blemished, sinful selves that are then cleansed by Jesus, this born again, is beautiful and it doesn't make sense in our human terms. But Jesus has opened this way. And we see this articulated in a couple of passages, that we, one we read today, one we read a few weeks ago. But in 14, John 14, 27 through 29, it talks of the, the gift of peace of mind and heart. And in 33 that we read today, we can recognize, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Do we believe that in Jesus' name, do we believe that his authority, that he overcame sin and death and the enemy's stranglehold that he had on the world? Do we believe that Jesus did bring peace and that when we pray in his name, we are We are communicating with the Father. We are believing that the Father is good and he cares for his people. Do we believe that his name is above every other name? That when you say his name, does it cause you to pause? Scholars of old, when they would take on the task of writing down word for word what the scrolls had to be able to write down the scriptures for future generations, when they hit the name of God or Yahweh, or when they hit Jesus, they would grab a new quill. It was that holy in their mind. So when you say Jesus' name, there are so many in the world that use him as a curse word, but do you say his name and pause and even give a little worship song in your mind? You are worthy of my praise, God. Jesus, you are worthy. His name has authority. And Jesus is telling us for one of the first times of the authority of his name. And you may ask in his name. And if you are right with the Lord, asking in his name is authoritative. Jesus came to them in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Such a familiar passage, but as we hear this today, may we remember in Jesus' name. Jesus came and told his disciples, 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do we hear that we are called to go? Do we hear that we have the power and authority of Jesus' name with us? My hope for your benefit today, that you will be inspired and challenged to grow closer to this Jesus I've spoken of. But you'll also be challenged to grow in community. If one thing has burdened me more than other things in this season of unrest, the season of sickness and death, the season, it feels like we've been robbed of, of a lot of community. If you sense that and you, you recognize this in your spirit, we're going to do our very best. We're going to give a feeble but our very best attempt at bringing life groups to this church. The reason why we're calling that is because we need to be the church to one another. I don't know what that looks like for you. There's plenty of options that we're going to have available, and please feel free to communicate with the office or Pastor Kenny if you would like to be connected with the group. But don't go at this alone. Be in community with your brothers and sisters that care deeply for you. Wouldn't it be awesome to just have a small group where you just said, in Jesus' name, (laughs) and read God's word? Wouldn't it be awesome for you to pick each other up when one of you is down in the group? Because I believe that God has equipped and prepared us, Newburgh Friends, and other Bible-believing churches in this area, but us specifically today, I want us to really believe that our mission is to connect with Jesus. That means connect others with Jesus, yourself connect with Jesus, to grow in faith. Yes, you grow in faith, grow deeper in love with Jesus. But we desire that others would grow deeper in love with Jesus and to go out to glorify God. Yes, you Go out and glorify God. Yes, teaching others to go out and glorify God. To believe in the authority of Jesus' name. Today I ask you to believe in the power of Jesus' name. But it's on you to believe this. It's on you to pray this. I want to guide us in prayer, but perhaps there's another prayer in your mind that you need to do some business with God. That's why we're here. It's for God's glory, and it's for you to worship God. So I'm going to pray, but don't feel like restricted in my prayers. Talk to the Lord. Lord Jesus, holy, holy, holy is your name. All authority on heaven and on earth wrapped up in a name. You are our Lord. You are our guide. And you love us. We worship you. 
We worship you in prayer. We worship you in relationship. We cry out to you, Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness that you offer us. Thank you for opening the door and making a way to the Father so that we can be in relationship. We worship you, Jesus. If everyone could say with me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.